And so it's going to take a few more weeks uh, that, uh, to get to the end of what God is wanting to encompass in this series. But I want to pray for you that today you begin to see, as Jesus said, it is finished. Thank you, Pastor Dan. You, uh, said, you stated the very thing that I was going to be- begin my sermon today with. Jesus said, it is finished. And we need to get to that place where we believe it. Father, thank you for just the church. Thank you that we are the called out ones. But Father, we gather together in this place, together to honor one another and to honor you. We have worshiped you. God, we have extended your love to people by anointing with oil and praying for the sick, that they would recover, that the miraculous would take place. Lord, that's our faith, that's our belief, because it's in your word. But Father, I pray that even in the midst of the greatest spiritual battle that some of us are facing today, that we would be able to conclude in our heart that it is finished. And we give you honor and we give you praise for what you are doing in our lives. In Jesus, hold on a second. Holy Spirit is just, his compassion is just overwhelming some of you. It is finished, church. It is a done deal. The promises of God are yea and amen. Hallelujah. Lord, instill that in our souls. Instill that in our thinking. Hallelujah. No matter what we see, no matter what we feel, your word is true. And Jesus looked out and he saw the past, the present, and the future. And he said, it is a done deal. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, let's do this again. Let's high-five someone before you're seated. We have been diving into a realm of how to keep hope alive. How to perceive things as Jesus perceived, even though when you look out, things don't look good. How to keep that hope alive. We have been discussing regarding when you are under attack, what do you do? And I've been giving you some points and we're gonna conclude the four points today. But let's remind ourselves and let's go over just a little bit. Um, The Bible says that we are to hear things over and over uh, to be able to comprehend the fullness of what God is saying. How many of you ever read a scripture and you got something out of it and a year later you got something more out of it? Yeah, so that's what we're doing. We're, We're not repeating ourselves we're proclaiming a deeper aspect and understanding of what we've been learning. God is a restorative God, and our faith in Christ, the word, the truth, will always produce the nature of hope. In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about the nature of hope. We'll be really understanding the spiritual aspect of what hope is. A lot of people will make the statement, well, I hope so. No, they don't. They have no clue. They have no 
no faith. There's nothing in that. They're just, just guessing their emotions. They just don't want to face it, and they just hope things will change. Well, there is a hope that when you have it, will absolutely remove the obstacles that have been tried to be set in front of you regarding your future. That's true spiritual hope. So when you have an undivided heart, every part of your being will have this hope that catapults you to the future. It will take you to the place where God has recognized exactly what his plan is for you. We also understood that when your soul, which is half of your heart, your heart is your spirit and your soul, aligns with your spirit is the pinnacle of, watch this terminology, conflict resolution. The greatest conflict resolution is not with brother to brother, sister to sister, it is between your soul and your spirit. We also have realized scripture describes Satan as our enemy. And he is the cruelest person in the world. We must get to the place of recognizing that Satan has zero desire for you to walk in the blessings of the Lord. He wants to steal, kill, and to destroy every hope that you have. David wrote in Psalm 42 and 43, when he was in the midst of an attack, but he began as he wrote the psalm, he, got, he started it with a place of where his soul was, but at the end of Psalm 43, he described how that because, because his spirit understood and does not sin, that he would literally walk in victory, that if he trusted in God, and he'd do it the way God said, that he would get to the place that God would honor his word and his plans for him. Again, John 10.10 says a thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come, Jesus saying, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Ephesians 6.12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is a spiritual battle. Your battle is not against brother to brother. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, even though flesh and blood may hurt you. Flesh and blood may abuse you, but the basis and the root of it comes from a spiritual attack to get your heart divided so that you will lose hope. So the question we have been answering the last couple of weeks is what do you do when under a spiritual attack? We gave you two oxymorons. We didn't give you morons. We gave you two oxymorons. And the, the first is that we were to recognize you were in a battle and it is a spiritual battle. You must know you have an authority in this battle. You must right away recognize it is finished. You must recognize Jesus Christ said, it is a done deal. The battle has been won. So here is the oxymoron. We learned that the spiritual battle is real. It is happening. Your emotions are feeling it. It is, it is blasting away at your soul, but it is a lie. It is a real lie. It is real, but it is a lie. It is coming 
from Satan trying to get you to believe and have faith in what he says and not have faith in what God says. Satan, who hates you, is trying to penetrate your soulish nature with a real lie. First oxymoron. He is prophesying to you, literally, regarding your future. When Satan, when you're in a spiritual battle, and many of you are, and some of you are in the biggest battle of your life, you must understand that Satan is trying to prophetically tell you and speak to you that it won't work, that you're going to lose, that everything that someone said to you, a real lie, that's going to happen. He will produce false evidence so that you can see it too. All the time, there's false evidence that is out there. So what we must do is go to the Word like the deer pants for the water and refresh in your soul God's plans for your future. Jeremiah 29.11 in the Message Bible says this, I know what I'm doing. This is God talking. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. That's the bottom line. It is finished. So what we must always say is this. I will not fall to these real lies anymore. And then take authority and say, I rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The second oxymoron is this. Stop listening to yourself. When you are overwhelmed in your soul, you begin to say things that agree with the enemy of your soul. You begin to prophetically speak over your own soul, your own life, what the enemy is lying to you, prophetically lying to you. He is a false prophet. Okay, everything Satan says is false because he can only lie. Satan cannot tell you the truth. So you begin to say things that agree with the enemy of your soul. That's called losing your battle. You see, losing a job, losing a business, going through a divorce, losing finances, going broke, losing the house, having your children speak ill of you, that's not losing your battle. Because it is finished, the battle has been won. Losing your battle is when you begin to live by your soulish nature, and you begin to believe that, you begin to believe the false prophet, you begin to say that this isn't going to work, I've lost the battle. No, you haven't, because the battle has been won. What you have to do is align yourself. Even though all these things are real, they are a lie, you are a winner, you are more than a conqueror. And I know, I know, I know, because some in the Christian realm, live by their soul. And because they live by their soul, they believe the real lie. So you must attack back and stop listening to your soul. So here it is. We said stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself the right way. 
Stop listening to your soul and start listening to your spirit is what we described last week. In Genesis 25, verse 23, we, we, we finished this regarding Jacob and Esau last week. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Your soul is older than your spirit. I explained to you that when I was 18, I received the Lord as Lord and Savior of my life, and at that time, my spirit was born. Because the Bible says that our spirit is dead in trespasses and sin. When you became born again, your spirit was born. So for 18 years, I lived by my soul. For 18 years, my soul ruled. For 18 years, I had a divided heart because only my soul was alive. When you are born physically, your soul is alive. So my soul is 18 years older than my spirit. Your soul wants to rule. Your soul is older than your spirit. How does your soul rule? Your soul rules through anger, depression, unforgiveness, bitterness, doubt, and we can name hundreds of other things. So the goal is your spirit, which is your younger self, rules your soul. Because it's your soul that's repeating the real lie, the oxymoron. It is your soul that in many instances talks more than your spirit because we have not recognized the full heart. Terry taught us very well. One of the best teachings I've heard on this subject is how that the undivided heart is when your soul and your spirit are one of the same. And let me tell you, the reason why that happens is because you take your spirit, your half of your heart, and you tell your soul, sit down, and I'm going to say the term, and shut up. Amen? So as we got to this place, hope then will abound in you, even though you look out and the attack is real. Even though you look out and everything I said earlier is happening, it is real, but it's a real lie. God's plans are Jeremiah 29, 11. God will turn that around. God will change that. So the question is, how do we create that spiritual character that rules our lives? How do we do that? Well, let me read you uh, from Ephesians 2, chapter 1 through 5. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. How did you do that? Soulish. According to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Then I like verse 4, but God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Again, till I was 18, when I, see, when I received Christ, I was a soulish person. Let me just make some statements. A soulish person is a selfish person. I did what I wanted to do. I wasn't, quote, a bad kid, but the soul was ruling. The spirit now is in charge, and the spirit says, no, we are not going to do it that way anymore. How many of you have had arguments with yourself? Yeah, <laughs> all the time, all the time. And your soul throws a fit. Your soul throws a temper tantrum. You ever been in a restaurant and a kid throws a, tantrum, a temper tantrum? He throws food. He, he gets up and he's screaming and he's yelling. And, and the grandma says, oh, how cute. No, that's not cute. So the older serves the younger in Scripture. Again, that speaks of the Spirit ruling our soul. Your spirit should rule over your soul when you are under attack. The first thing you do is when you are under attack, spiritual attack, is you make sure that your spirit is over and ruling your soul because your soul just wants to complain, gripe. Your soul just wants to say whatever it wants to say. And some of us say things like this. Where in the world did that come from after you said something? Let me tell you where that came from. It came from a soul, your soul. So David's soul was complaining and his spirit said to stop it. That's what Psalm 42 and 43 is picturing. So here is the fourth thing to do when you are under attack, and it sounds so simplistic. It sounds so, oh, pastor, this is so simple. I want to tell you this is the deepest thing you'll ever hear. Go to God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you are under attack, you better get to God like a deer gets to water. I read to you last week, and I'm going to show you something here. In Psalm 42, verse 5, I will show you Psalm 42 and 43 are the same psalm, <coughs> excuse me, because what verse 5 says, David says it three times in Psalm 42 and 43. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? In other words, why are you yelling? Why are you being the loudest? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verse 11, Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. Verse 5 of Psalm 43, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So these three verses, as I read it real quickly, sound like they're saying the same thing, but they're not. 
We're going to see a big difference here, and I want to show you this difference, and I want to explain it to you, and that's why I'm saying the depth of what we are speaking here. When you go through this, we understand the, the undivided heart. We understand our enemy. We understand who's the cruelest. We understand all these things. Now, what will bring you into your future victory? What will bring you into the victory that God has planned for your future. Psalm 42 verse 5 says, the help of his countenance. The word countenance is talking about your face, his countenance. Verse 11 of Psalm 42 says the help of my countenance. Psalm 43 verse 5 says the help of my countenance. So, in 42.5, it says his countenance, and the other two say my countenance, all right? So it sounded the same, but it's not. Here's what David is actually saying, because remember, Psalm 42 and 43 are the same writing. They're the same. It's the same psalm. He's saying, when I look at his face, God's face, it changes my face. When I look at God's countenance, it will change my countenance. We're saying go to God. Think about this. When you are sad about something, you can do your very best to hide it on your face. But let me tell you, people will see what's, what's, what's on your face. You go to your workplace, and when you arrive, one of your coworkers says, are you okay? Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. I'm okay. No, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Praise God. I was in church yesterday. It was a wonderful day, and just, just love, love God, love church, love, you know. Church, I am not putting you down. This is natural and normal. Let me give you some pastoral wisdom here. This is what I want you to see. God gave you emotions, but what I'm saying, don't let Satan attack and get a hold of you. At that moment, attack him back. The best way to attack back is to get with God. Not in Jesus' name, no, get with God. In the process of getting with God, the Lord rebuke you. Because what you're doing, you're getting in the presence of the Lord. And when you get in the presence of the Lord, that's what David is saying. He's saying, when I look at his countenance. Now let me get you a little bit deeper with this. David was sad. He said in Psalm 42, 3 and 4, remember, my tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? Where is your God? When I remember these sayings, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with a multitude. Remember, he's running from his enemy. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept <clears throat> a pilgrim feast. He's being driven out of the city. This is a real attack. Looks like he's losing his throne. This is a real attack. Even it looks like he's losing his whole family. It is real, but it's a lie. And in, in these verses, he began talking to himself from his soul. But later on, we begin to see 
that he's talking to his soul from his spirit. But what did he say there in verse 5? What he was most sad about, the answer is he was leaving the fellowship of the church, the temple, which is the representations of the presence of God. As he looks at God's face, he is reminded that God has never left me. His presence is right where I am. What changed the writing in Psalm 42 and 43, the first verse of the three that sounds the same, he said, I looked at his face. Now let me say something that is not theologically accurate, but let me just say something because of what we surmise by watching David being with God in the Psalms. He was so skillful in playing instruments to worship, they brought him to King Saul to deliver a spirit. He was talented, he was gifted. Somewhere between Psalm 42 and 43, it dawns on David, I can go in the presence of God right here. I don't need an instrument, I don't need to sing, I don't, even though an instrument is great, it is used to worship, it is something great, I, singing is wonderful, it is a thing that you can do to enter into the presence of the Lord, but the Bible tells us how you enter into God's presence. All right, remember, we're talking about the soul and the spirit, keep that. I'm going deeper now. I'm gonna take you to a depth. That, I, But it's gonna be simple because your pastor's simple, all right? And, and we're gonna see what David is bringing to us in this psalm. Even when I'm running from my enemy, even when it is the hardest thing I've ever faced in my life, David is probably leaving the city and he probably is running with his 30 mighty men and he looks over to one of them. He says, make sure you bring my harp. Make sure you bring my guitar. Make sure you bring the instruments. Why? Because I want to worship God. I want to enter. I want to get into the presence of God. I get it now. Because when I look into the face of God. When I get into the presence of God, things change, and it, number one, changes me. Let me ask you if you've done this. I was driving to a church in North Carolina where I was having to take care of a situation being the supervisor. A spiritual attack took place right there in my car as I was driving. And I was complaining to God. And I was telling God what he needed to do with this church. Now, in my soul, I heard this in a very strong way. <laughs> I heard, stop it. Stop griping at me. You ever heard that? I know you have. Because God's not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter the title or what you're trying to do. It doesn't matter 
who you are, where you've been. What matters is that God loves you the same, and God will do the same thing with you that he does with me. This transformed me. The Lord said to me in my spirit, Son, you enter my gates with thanksgiving. You don't enter my presence with griping. How many of you have ever prayed, or let me say, how many of you ever gripe prayed? Amen? Have you ever gripe prayed? You don't enter the presence of the Lord. The Bible particularly tells us that we are to enter into his gates, his presence with thanksgiving, not with complaining. He says, you come into my courts with praise. Now, this is deep because some people say, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I know what you're going through. I've been there. I got a soul like you have a soul. I got situations that I face and you face those situations in your life. It might be different than yours because there's a different calling in my life than in your life, but I face the same thing and there are times that I just want to gripe. How many of you have been there? Now, you know why you just want to gripe? Because your soul is crying out and your older is wanting to rule your younger. Your soul is wanting to be divided. That is the spiritual attack. That is what the enemy is trying to do. Whatever's going on with your children, your grandchildren, the victory has been won. The battle, the spiritual battle is this. It is the enemy wants you to live by your soul so you get into depression, you spend all your money, you do everything to try to fix everything instead of getting into the presence of God and saying, I will not allow this to mess me up. I will go into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. That's what the Lord is saying to us. That's what David is saying to us. That's what your spirit is saying to you. So I said, after I heard that, oh, thank you, Jesus, with an awful attitude. Here I am trying to pour out my heart to you, God. With all this stuff, all I've done for that church, all I've given to that church as a supervisor, and look what they're doing to their pastor. <laughs> I spent hours with them, teaching them how to be a counsel, how to do these things, and look what they're doing. I can't believe it. And bottom line, the Holy Spirit said, shut up, soul telling me what my spirit should have been doing. Now, I want to tell you, when that first happened, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. How many of you, when God brings correction to your heart? How many of you don't like it either? Yeah. Well, I, I know better. No, you know a real lie. I know what needs to happen. No, you know a real lie. 
It's a spiritual attack. And the enemy will even give you proof that what you're really believing out of your soul is true. Forget this church stuff. Forget this word stuff. Journaling, men getting together on Saturday morning and journaling. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> really? Hmm. See, in this attack, my thoughts were literally about all that I did for the church. But the more I began to thank him, and the beginning of thanking him, it's like where all of us are at. Thank you, Jesus. Then someone has to say, you're not thanking him for the problem. You're thanking him, you know, you know the, 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 the milk things we say. But we need to get into the meat stuff. Instead of always explaining these things, we need to get into the meat stuff and say, you know what, soul, sit down and shut up. Now, I don't use that terminology, shut up. I don't. That's something we, we, just, we just don't do. But the reality, I want to show you how that we have to literally get to a place that if it's not working and we're still listening to our soul, then we need to get a little bit mean to our soul. We need to literally get down to business and say, I will not believe this lie. I literally had to pull over, and then the Lord gave me some scripture to read. Amen. And you know what? Let me just say this to you. I've heard preachers say, Almost the same thing I just said. God telling them, hey, read the scripture that I told Gary to read. Hmm. Mean that this is not just my special scripture? Only for me? No. It's for us. 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flowers of the grass. The grass withers and the <clears throat> its flowers falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And when I read that, I said, yes, sir, shut up, soul. And I went into that meeting, and I'm going to tell you what happened in that meeting. But I want to read you another scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Spirit, in which you once it walked according to the course of this world, soul, according to the prince of the power of the air, the devil that hates you, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you see when these things appear, when the riches of God and the grace of God appears, is because we've told our soul to shut up and we got in the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise and we began to move forward and in the midst of that, that's when God changes things. Anybody getting anything out of this? Ephesians 1, 17, 22. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. No longer am I going to listen to your stuff. No longer, and I'm going to work work in this and, and allow my life just to always be in confusion and chaos, I will say right now in Jesus' name, it's a done deal. And we need to say, because we sit with Christ, it is finished. Wow. So I began to say, thank you, Lord. I began to get into the presence of the Lord, and right there as I pulled over, and I began reading those scriptures, I began to thank the Lord and praise the Lord. Then he said to me, watch this. In my spirit, it wasn't an audible voice. You know, some music didn't start, and some cloud came down and covered me, and the Lord said, thus saith God, like Hollywood. And the Lord said to me in my spirit, you wanted to talk to me about the council? And these two situations that you're having to face? He said, I'm already on that. And this is what I am going to do. And then he said, I want you, when you get there, I want you, after the meeting, I want you to speak to, his name was Charles. Charlie. Still remember the name. I didn't know who Charles or Charlie was. They just said, speak to him. So I had to go through the conversation. One, one time I'm, I'm meeting people, I'm walking around, and, you know, 
I mean, you could just feel the, the stuff in the room, you know, the dividedness and all the different things in the room. And uh, so I'm walking around, I'm trying to be a blessing to everybody, and all of a sudden someone says, oh, by the way, this is Charles. We call him Charlie. Hey, how you doing? You know, and then I uh, went around, greeted, I went back to him, you know, can I talk to you after service, after the meeting? And uh, we had a, just like a five-minute Bible study and prayer, and then we went into the meeting. And he said to speak to this person, and when you talk to him, it will change. So we had the, the prayer, we had the meeting, um, things were halfway decent, and I talked to Charlie, and I said, Charlie, the Lord just told me to talk to you. What is going on? He said, he said I, I haven't slept for days. I just, I don't know what is going on. I love my pastor. I love what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And I said, well, what has the Lord said to you? And because of legal stuff, I can't say what he said. And he told me, and I said, do you believe that? He said, absolutely not. And this is what he said to me, and this is part of the reason why I have this with you. He said, I think it's a real lie. And I told him, I said, it is a real lie. Because I, I know, I understand, I'm behind the scenes. It is a real lie. And you know what he said to me? He says, I got this, Pastor. I got it covered. And within a week, I had another meeting, <laughs> and everything was different. Everybody was apologetic. Um, they, they were crying. The council was crying. And not all of them, but most of them. And, and they were repentant. And to this day, the church is going very well. But I want to tell you, is even as I was going, if I would have stayed in my soulish nature, you know, walking in there and just saying, gee, after all that we've done, and you still aren't happy, you know, that's kind of like what I want to say. And, and so in that, I want you to understand, God goes before you. And when you get into the presence of the Lord, hear my heart you will begin to see where he's been. You will begin to know where he's been and what he's done without having to feel it or do it yourself. You will see the heart of God you will know his heart, and it will be, watch this, transformed. When you are under attack, you better get to some water. David is saying, God's word and God's presence is your water. If you don't hope will die. 
I'm asking you today as we close, what is the Lord saying to you in your situation? What's going on in your heart? Older, younger, what's ruling? Where are you at? Because I know, folks, and after you know all this, you know what the enemy's going to do? Now I really hate that person. Now what can I do to mess them up? I really don't like what that person's doing. I'm going to show them, I'm going to make it to where they see that nothing's, nothing works, it, you know, everything's going to fall apart, and, you know, run from your job, run from your marriage, run from your call, run from this, get out of here because you're, you're going to lose everything. If you don't do this, you're going to lose everything. And I want to tell you, if you don't run to God, you can lose everything. And I know, without raising your hands, there are some in here that you, can, you would say to me and say, Pastor, I've run. And I lost a lot because I ran. I lost a lot because I believed the real lie. I've made decisions based upon my soul and not based upon the word and in the presence of God. Don't you dare make a decision based upon your soul. Don't you dare make a decision until you get in the presence of the Lord. Because your soul will produce evidence that the falseness of what you're believing is true and you will follow it. And in that spiritual battle, you will lose it. But praise the Lord. What does it take? Even in the midst of the stuff, to have a thankful heart and a heart of praise. Why? So you can enter into the presence of the Lord. That's how you enter. You don't enter in the presence of the Lord through griping and complaining and, and prayer griping. You enter in the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. The only way you can do that with what you are facing is doing it by your spirit. Nevertheless, what did Jesus says? Not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, it's about him. David said, as I look upon his countenance, God's in the presence of the Lord, my countenance will change. My situation will change. Isn't God good? See, we want to blame God. We want to tell him, where were you? And he's saying, I was right there but you believe the oxymoron, okay? You believed it. You believe the real lie, that it's true and not what I said. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord.
Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Transformative revelation today. It's deep. It's huge. But watch this church. It's finished. Jesus has overcome the world. That old bugger, Satan, has zero authority. Zero. What you do, everything that is happening, there's real, there's proof. You're seeing it. People are saying stuff. People are doing things. But when you get in the presence of the Lord, (laughs) hallelujah, God says, let me show you what I've already done and I'm doing. Let me give you the secret when you come to the secret place. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that you serve. And if you don't serve him today, today you can. How do you do that? You believe in your heart? Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And watch this. All of a sudden, you have a new baby. It's called your spirit. You got this old man, old woman. Maybe I shouldn't say old woman. Old man's okay. Old woman, nothing. More mature woman. But the reality is that God has made a plan, given you the ability to overcome too. We shall overcome. It's not just a man's statement, that's God's statement. When your spirit rules. Lord, blessings upon blessings upon this beautiful and handsome congregation. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name that all is well. As a Shunammite woman said, all is well. In reality, her child was gone. But in truth, he would be raised from the dead. And she knew the only answer was the one who represented God. She ran as a deer ran to the water to the prophet. And the prophet went and did the will of the Lord. All is well. Bless us as we leave this place. Lord, I pray a particular protection and wisdom and insight in all of our young people that are going to proms right now, that are spending late nights in the proms and the many school activities. In Jesus' name, the protection of the Lord all over them. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Give the Lord a great applause, amen.